As we prepare to hear the scriptures, let us pray. God, let my heart be good soil, open to the seed of your word. When my heart is hard, roll the stone away. When my heart is cold, warm it with the day. When my heart is lost, lead me in your way. God, let my heart be good soil. Through Jesus Christ, amen. A reading from the book of Ecclesiastes. Listen for God's word to you. Send your bread out on the water, because in the course of time, you may find it again. Give a portion to seven people, even to eight. You don't know what disaster may come upon the land. If clouds fill up, they will empty out rain on the earth. If a tree falls, whether to the south or to the north, wherever it falls, there it will lie. Those who watch the wind blow will never sow, and those who observe the clouds will never reap. Just as you don't understand how the life breath makes its way into the bones of a pregnant woman's womb, so you can't understand the work of God who makes everything happen. Scatter your seed in the morning and the evening. Don't be idle because you don't know which will succeed, this one or that, or whether both will be equally good. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second reading comes to us from the Gospel of Matthew. Everyone who has ears should pay attention. Jesus said many things to the crowds in parables. He said, look, a farmer went out to scatter seed. As he was scattering seed, some fell on the path, and birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where the soil was shallow. They sprouted immediately because the soil wasn't deep, but when the sun came up, it scorched the plants, and they dried up because they had no roots. Other seed fell among thorny plants. The thorny plants grew and choked them. Other seed fell on good soil and bore fruit, in one case a yield of 100 to 1, in another case a yield of 60 to 1, and in another case a yield of 30 to 1. Everyone who has ears should pay attention. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In her book, Braiding Sweetgrass, Robin Wall Kimmerer describes holding the genius of indigenous agriculture in the palm of her hand. A golden kernel of corn, a glossy bean, speckled brown and sleek, and a pumpkin seed 
its edges crimped shut like a pie crust bulging with filling. These are the three sisters. For millennia, from Mexico to Montana, women have mounded up the earth and laid these three seeds in the ground, all in the same square foot of soil. Perhaps you've planted them in your garden and know how they flourish together, being vines twisting around a tall stalk of corn while broad squash leaves provide shelter from insects. However, when British colonists arrived on the shores of Massachusetts and saw indigenous gardens, they presumed that the native people did not know how to farm. To their minds, Kimmerer wrote, a garden meant straight rows of single species, not a three-dimensional sprawl of abundance. What we expect determines what we see and what we hear. When I think of seeds, I call to mind the image of a paper packet from the hardware store. The instructions on this packet will tell me how far I should space my seeds apart and how much soil should cover them. Having grown up a few degrees removed from the fields that nourish my food, I hear Jesus describe this farmer and think, just scattering seeds all over? No wonder the birds come flocking. My friend Elena, however, accepted this practice as a given. The land in Lodi knows Elena on a first name basis. She has partnered with soil and seeds her entire life. Granted, she said, Farmers involved in large-scale agriculture have equipment that plant crops in orderly rows. But when Elena thinks of scattering seeds, she calls to mind the image of her mother handing her a bag of wildflower seeds and encouraging her to scatter them with abandon to know which one to grow you have to wait and see. I heard Jesus' story through the ears of a child raised on frozen vegetables. Elena sifted the story through soil-stained fingers. Our experiences shape what we see and what we hear. Generations of Christians understand Jesus' story as a teaching about responding to the sharing of God's word. And you can't blame them, really, because just a few verses later, in a conversation with the disciples, Jesus says as much. Whenever people hear the word about the kingdom and don't understand it, the evil one comes and carries off what was planted in their hearts. This is the seed that was sown on the path. He continues 
As for the seed that was spread on rocky ground, this refers to people who hear the word and immediately receive it joyfully because they have no roots. They last for only a little while. When they experience distress or abuse because of the word, they immediately fall away. As for the seed that was spread among thorny plants, this refers to those who hear the word, but the worries of this life and the false appeal of wealth choke the word, and it bears no fruit. As for what was planted on good soil, this refers to those who hear and understand, and bear fruit and produce. There it is, a handy answer key, nice and tidy. Unless, of course, you are an individual in need of soil remediation, so to speak. Nice and tidy. Except, except for one thing. Except last week we heard why Jesus teaches through stories. So that people can understand. He quoted Isaiah, these people's senses have become calloused, making simplicity essential. Because the crowds in Galilee were largely acquainted with tenant farming, Jesus used a familiar image to communicate the kingdom. He might have even spotted someone in the fields, pointed and say, look, See that farmer over there? Jesus' stories rely on images, not answer keys. Plus, Jesus isn't a secret keeper. Divine love did not become flesh and bone in order to create a new club with insiders and outsiders. The explanation that the disciples received is a true way to understand the parable. I believe this, but I trust that it is not the only way to enter into Jesus' story. Place yourself in the crowd. Picture the farmer scattering seeds everywhere. This is not someone who stands around watching the wind blow. This farmer gets down to business. Perhaps the practical wisdom of Ecclesiastes echoes in your ear. Scatter your seed in the morning and in the evening. Don't be idle because you don't know which will succeed, this one or that, or whether both will be equally good. Or maybe you're not thinking about Ecclesiastes. Maybe you're wondering how much of a crop that farmer needs to pay the landlord and how many mouths at home there are to feed. Maybe you know what it's like 
to walk on land that your father and grandfather cultivated before you, land you now have to pay to farm because of the outrageous debts leveled against your family. See the rocky soil, the thorny fields. Our farmer friend is willing to risk sowing seed there. Some grain will even wind up on the road. Another acceptable margin of loss. And then there's the ending. I'm not a farmer, but the ending of the parable sounds like good news to my ears. There is enough good soil to grow a bumper crop. There is enough grain to pay the landlord. There is enough food to share with the community, not just family, but also widows and orphans and elders and disabled folks. There is enough because our life-giving God has come near. Christians so often want to find God in a particular character, a farmer or a landowner or a king. But God is more than a character in a story. God is the creator of the world who planted a garden and invited our first parents to tend it. God is the sustainer of the weary who gave manna in the wilderness, who multiplied loaves by the sea, who instructed that fields and orchards be left with enough produce for poor folks to glean from them. God's life-giving power manifests in the marvelous harvest, yes, but also in the feeding of the birds with seed scattered on the road and even in the fields where thorns thrive. The same life breath that enters the bones of the womb, crafting souls from cell division, says no to a life-denying world order that impoverishes farmers and seasonal laborers and the soil itself. This Thursday, September 17th, the church remembers Hildegard of Bingen, that multi-talented medieval mystic who praised the triune God as the highest and fiery power kindling all life. From you, O fiery spirit, she wrote, the earth exudes greenness. Those who refuse this gracious gift, warned Hildegard, will be turned back into the land of confusion and drought, and thus will remain without the beautiful greenness of the field, that is, the blessing of God. We know that there are too many ways to deny God's good greening gifts. 
The images from the past week illustrate that refusal succinctly. Wildfires raging in the western United States, hazard orange skies, farm workers forced to breathe in pesticides, now also choking on smoke. In our own lives, we know the anxiety that keeps us from action, waiting for the clouds to burst, or wondering where the trees will fall. Sage of Ecclesiastes gives us a reality check. Those who observe the clouds will never reap. Wherever a tree falls, there it will lie. Get moving. There is work to do. And there is work to do. And our life-giving God is eager to bless it. There are groceries to deliver, students to support, elders with stories to share, waters in need of protection, and opportunities to serve in Jesus' name beyond our present vision. So let us scatter seeds, not knowing whether one field will prosper or the other or both. Let us go to our neighbors with open hearts and open hands, because the living God is already in the soil beneath our feet, ready to bring forth a harvest of grace. For such grace, let us give all glory and all gratitude to God, speaker, word, and breath, author of our faith, Amen.